Welcome back. Welcome back to Podcasting at the Pub. We're talking Ash Sherlock, our Ask the Pro series here where we have our own pro, Director of Player Development, Scott Hassey here, answering questions that you have either sent in on Instagram, at Golf 2 S's 2 E's, or you come out here on Wednesday nights at 6.30, Podcasting at the Pub, where we have Scott here, you can be out in the audience and ask a question that you hear live on the podcast. So I know for me, I love. Well, this is good. I, this that's that's not the way I wanted to phrase it. I was gonna say I love hearing myself talk. That's not true. I love being able to like. <laughs> I love like hearing something and being like, "Wow, I was there for that." You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like when I go to a game and then I watch it back on record, right? It's like, oh shoot, I was there. You get to see it in like two perspectives, right? And so like uh, podcasting at a pub. Super cool place where you can get your own golf questions answered. It's almost like a little mini lesson without any of the mechanics. I mean, like any of the actual like physical attributes of it, right? You just get yeah. to you get to talk about anything you want mentally. We can do some current events too sometimes. So, well, speaking of current events, while everybody's getting their questions ready for Ask Sherlock, um, shout out to my boy Kevin Kisner, winning at the Wyndham. <laughs> yeah, dude, he just did a. Um, he just did a like two-hour-long podcast with the Barstool Boys, um, talking about talking about him winning. And it was funny because um, in regulation, six-man playoff. Yeah, in regulation, I think he had a uh, he had or somebody had a four-foot four-foot putt to win it. Was it Scott? Scotty? Adam Scott. Adam Scott. There you go. Not Scotty Scheffler. Adam Scott. He had a four-putt to win it, and Kiz was talking to his caddy Dewey. Four foot putt, not a four putt. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Four foot putt. And he was talking to his caddy Dewey, and he's like, "Man, Dewey, wouldn't it be cool for us to have a four foot putt to win it?" And Adam Scott missed it. They went to a six man playoff, and Kisner then at the end of it had a four foot putt to win. And so he was obviously closest to the pin, so everybody else was putting. And before everybody else put, he looked at Dewey and he goes, "Uh." I'm going to, pardon my French, he goes, if all these fuckers miss, we won. <laughs> and he thought that, he thought that, I don't know if he said it to Dewey or if he thought it himself, but he said that on the Barstool podcast. And then he had that four foot putt to win. And um, Kiz is actually 12th in strokes game putting on uh, on the tour, which is, he's one of the best putters in the world. And um, knocked in that four foot putt to win in the playoff. And I, I just couldn't be more happy for him. Kiz is one of my favorite PGA Tour players right now. I mean, he has been ever since I got got to know him on the uh, Barstool podcast. But, man, yeah, man, shout out to Kisner, man. He He's great. Um, great podcast if you guys want to go back and to I always wanted to watch a six-man playoff, and they weren't even televising it. Dude, speaking of. Like, what the heck? You got a six-man playoff. How do you not interrupt? Dude, I know. And, okay, Gosh. get this, too. So annoying. So, Siwoo was in it. And Kiz, any other sport that would they no, would crush, yeah, it would crush. I know. Um, but Siwoo had a a putt that was outside of Kisner, but it was in his line, and Siwoo asked Kiz to move his ball mark. And so he moved his ball mark, and Siwoo putted, and it hit his ball mark and adjusted it offline. And Kiz was like, "Dude, I was watching that putt, and it was going in if it didn't hit my ball mark." <laughs> and hit his ball and bounced left and missed. And he even asked him to, to move it. Whoops. 
Anyway, we're super entertaining podcast. If you guys kind of want the inside inside the ropes access to the Wyndham this past week, uh, search Four Play Podcast on anywhere you listen to podcasts, and you'll get to hear Kisner talk for like two hours. But so going back to why sure Kisner why. is so good, feel free to ask the pro anything you want, and it may be able to take your strokes some strokes Here off your game. Here we go. Who's going first? Here we go. Y'all love Taylor Wilson. Taylor Wilson in the house. Get down like a catcher for this. Uh, so, in our work together, you've been turning me from a draw player into a fade player, which has been great because, as you have discussed with me, it's what my body's trying to do, and I agree. Uh, however, over the last month or so, the only thing I have been able to consistently hit is a draw. And now, mainly because I haven't been able to come see you. We haven't had any time to work together. I know we can work it out. But the question is, when you when you get it out on the golf course and you find your swing producing results that you are not used to, and this might be a terrible podcast question because it could be a yes or no question. Do you just ride it? Or what do you, what do, you do in that moment? How do, you t- how do you get yourself to trust that mishit? Is, at least is what it feels like for me. How do you trust that? So before I answer this, this is an awesome question. Um, and it usually falls in the category of... I'm going to answer this in two different perspectives. I'm going to answer this in the um, sub-85 player, really sub-80 player. And the above 80 player. Um, So for the above 80 player, more than likely you're not making the movement that you need to and it's about to get really bad. So in that case, you need to keep pursuing your very best swing, but be mindful of the fact that it might go a direction you want and very middle-of-the-green-esque type strategy maybe not playing like playing some of your shorter irons and intentionally missing short. So from a playing standpoint for somebody that's over 80, um, I'd be playing clubs that even if it doesn't curve in the direction that you want, it kind of stays in front of you, if that makes sense and try and get through the round and get out of there with a better player. There are, there's a number of different ways I think of handling this. And I think you need to play with it. Taylor's like, yes, I get to play with something. This is great. Yeah, yeah, he already has. Um, One is to ride it. Keep trying to make the same movement and assume it's going to keep doing the same thing. And just ride that out. Um, If you can hold on to the trust, like, okay, that's just what it's going to do. I'm going to be okay with that. It requires a high level of trust. I, both of these scenarios require a high level of trust. I ride that thing. This is what uh, it's what I got right now. I'm trying to do it right. This is what I can hit. Um, alternative number two. There's really three. I was saying two, but there's three. That's why. That's why I like this question. Is like I keep coming. There's there's just so many different ways to answer this. Well, caveat on the under eighty, right? The caveat on the under 80 is that you're striking the ball decent, right? I feel like that's a big Correct. I feel like that's a big uh 
big caveat that needs to be noted. Great. Great observation there. Nice. Love that. Um, stole that from Elijah. Love that. And you. You guys have been saying it a ton. Um, so, I know you got lost my train of thought. You said there was a third. Okay, so there's two. So I got to do two more. Um, so the second option is to do more of what it is you've been trying to do to get it to go the other direction. So those hands standing closer to you going through should begin to produce the other shape, should begin to produce the cut with more lag with a slightly closed face like DJ, etc. Well, here's a here's a question of that too. Do you wait Kawa. do you wait to change that on a hole that allows a two-way miss? Uh you could. Cuz let's say you're on um, You could or you could just pick a different club that's going to make it less that way. So maybe go to like a knockdown style shot. Gotcha. And try and get it like you're trying to keep it low and on the ground and in front of you. So yes, that's an option. Um I don't ever do it on one. Like you need a pattern of shots. Right? So like I hit the one hook, I didn't worry about it. Hit the next hook uh, on two. It was like, wait a second. Now there's a pattern. Because I, I don't do that. I might hit one and then just keep the round going. I'm fine. But if I, if I repeat very quickly and fairly severely, I know that that's, hello, wake up, pay attention. But don't ever chase a singular shot. Ignore singular things, chase patterns. Do not chase singulars, chase patterns. And so I think the thing that I like about kind of Taylor's question is it's and this is important for you to understand in that kind of question is it's premised on the fact that there's a pattern to what's happening it's not like he didn't ask the question like you know you're trying to hit phase and then you hit one left that's not the question the question is if you're producing a pattern of shots it's not where you want do you ride it or do you not or do you what and so I think you kind of got to find what's right for you and sometimes what's right for the day. A guy like Taylor is going to play with it, and he may be able to find something that works that day. And I think it's one of the things that made Tiger great is he made it work no matter what. Um, was it uh, the PGA Championship that he won on a busted knee? No, no, U.S. Open. U.S. Open because they played 18 the next, yeah. And, like, if you Last watch the entire... Last time it was that Tory, right? But, like, the last... Anyway, it... It was the first time since this current year that it's been back at Torrey, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, if you watch his last nine holes of the final round, and then you watch the 18 holes of the, after that, all he did was hit these weak cuts. And so, not only did he ride what he had, now, if he tried to ride the movement, he would have been hitting draws or hooks. He didn't ride it. He rode with what he could do, which was hitting that fade. And so he just played that. It wasn't his ideal shot. He doesn't have as much control over the magnitude of it. But he knew how to scrap it into a place where he could kind of snake it around a little bit. Like, hey, if I can get a couple of these in there pretty tight, I can make some birdies. If I can just mitigate the bogeys, I can win. So I don't know if that's this Tiger's thought process, but from outward observation, that's kind of what I see. Um, the third option on this entire thing is to intentionally play a completely different shot. So let's say he, so we'll use the example that you're overdrawing it. 
We've been trying to be a fade player. We sit in there, face open, ball forward, weight forward, chest forward. Same motion, face shaded open, and just picture and feel it cut. Just make it cut. Um, now, it's going to come up shorter by going that route because we've opened the face. We've moved the ball forward. We've narrowed the stance, which shortens the swing, but we might be able to compress it and get it shaped in the other way. It's going to flight it down, get it low, and kind of sneak it back in there. So the, the third option is to just go, I'm not saying abandon everything, but you're going, I'm going to hit something completely different. Here we go. Um, and I call that my C swing. Like If I'm not hitting my driver well, um, which I've been hitting well recently, but I have a, I have a C swing to go to, and it's a tee it low, Smash the living snot out of it. Wait forward. Keep it forward. Low bullet cut on a tight golf course. And it's just like, this isn't anything close to what I want, but it's going to work, and it'll get me around the golf course. So you really have, I think, three overarching options that have some variability in them. So, But if you're over 80, like pick a different club. Um, don't necessarily try to ride it. Keep trying to make your best swing, but play very conservative center center um play away from trouble like if there's trees right and water right but it's just like rough to the left play left you know um so yeah that's a hard question but a good one who's well, next multiple answers though which i like yeah great question taylor sweet question number two all right so this is going to be in parts you've got above 100 90 to 100 80 to 90 and 70 to 80. You have a. We'll do this for Scott. Jack, you can time him. Whatever. You've got about 30 seconds to think of it. For the average person that works a lot, they come out to the range. If they have 10 minutes, 20 minutes on the range or the facilities here, what do you suggest to drop five strokes, 10 strokes? You know, like above 100, like only putting. That's what you need to work on. You know what I mean? You have like 30 seconds. Go bang them out. I got the. I got mine. Don't, don't start the timer yet. Let me make sure I understand the question. So, we're going over 100, 90 to 100, 80 to 90, 70 to 80. You got only 20 minutes to practice. You're somebody for somebody that's like works a lot. You've got 20 minutes. I got mine. But you're at the golf course, right? In 20 minutes. I'll let go. you I'll let you think on yours cuz I know you're going to have a more in-depth answer. But he I'll, wants me to go quick. No, I know, but I'll 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 do mine so that you have a little bit of okay, time to think. Go. So, um I don't know if I can speak to the specific handicaps, right? Well, I guess I could. Okay. So, if I'm going to be in like if I'm a 90 to 100 player, I'm focusing on getting my tee ball in play. Tee ball in play, approach shot in play. That's all I want, right? If I'm going to go um, anything less than that handicap, assuming that you have a solid swing built, I'm going to say that there's too many people who go out there and are like, oh, it's 20 minutes to my tee time. Okay, I'm going to go out, hit a few wedges, hit a, 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 a fat and a thin seven iron, and then six or seven drivers and hit the first tee, right? It's like, well, okay, fine. Like, you, you, get, it down, you get it down there. I'm laughing so hard right now. <laughs> it's so good. You get it down there in like – then you get on the putting green and you three putt, and then you, and then you bitch about your double bogey that you just had, and it's like, well, dude, you didn't hit a putt, warming up. So it's like, 
work on your putting. If you can just get it on the putting surface and like, I don't even care if it's a par four and you get it on the green in four. If you can work on two putting, you get out of there with a double at your worst every time. It's like, it's not that hard. I think people are like in the one twenties are trying to figure out like God's miracle to get them to shoot in the eighties. It's like, no, like just putt, just two putt everything. And so like work on your, work on your putting. That's what I would say. So that's over a hundred. No, that's that's under. I think the uh, the oh. higher ones is get your tee shot and play, get oh, your okay. approach shot and play. Okay. Here we go. You ready? Over a hundred. Um, swing between two tees with a ball with a tee in the middle. So imagine you're teeing up a ball. Put a tee outside the toe of the club, one inside the heel of the club. You're gonna swing waist high to waist high. Arms fairly straight, weight slightly forward. Learn to find the middle of the club face. Period. Mill the club face, brush the ground on the target side of the golf ball. That's it. Do that until you can do it over and over and over again. Because if you can't make contact there, it doesn't matter. Um, 90 to 100. Um, same thing for 20 minutes, but we want to work on three-foot putts and putting to the edge of the green. So you got 20 minutes, spend five of it, five to ten of it on the range, hitting some of those, hit them solid. Uh, but then you need to work on those little ones um, <coughs> around the green. Same type shot. Uh, and you can putt between two tees on the putting green, too, find the middle of the face. Uh, but putt to the edge of the green, three-foot putts. 80 to 90. Uh, work on distance control with your irons. Uh, hit it three different distances. So grab your eight iron. Uh, make the you know hit your full eight iron to the back of a green or seven iron whatever it may be shorter irons nothing longer than a seven iron preferably nothing longer than an eight iron um, <coughs> 20 minutes uh, let's see hang on me lost my train of thought <laughs> I'm trying to go so fast on these uh, so nothing longer than an eight iron still swing between two tees to make sure your center face contact so you can evaluate ball flight effectively and I want you to hit three different distances. Do it by shortening the motion. Don't slow it down. Make it smaller on both sides. Ooh, that's a great, uh, great thing. We were talking about on Sunday how um, I've kind of learned that just because you hit a half shot or a quarter shot or a three-quarter shot doesn't mean you slow your attack to the ball, right? Always bring the sauce, right? Correct. Well, and you got to see me hit a lot of those partial shots because I don't have full set in there right now. Exactly, which is great for me. Uh, so that's 80 to 90. Uh, less than 80 is lots of wedges, putts from four feet. Hit as many putts as you can from four feet. Um, around the circle, do not hit the same putt twice in a row. Um, and then <coughs> I would also add in distance control with your irons. You do not have to hit between two tees, but you do need to work distance control on your irons because how often do you actually have the full distance? So if you're somebody who's in the 70s to 80s and is trying to get into the low 70s or high 60s, Distance control is everything, whether it be your wedges, whether it be your irons. Um, I know some of these guys sitting over here. I know Reiner's down in that. <laughs> Reiner's like, it's all wedges. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Um, Yo, yeah. I, I, um, I heard this thing. I'm going to keep on calling back the Kisner podcast just because he's got, like, such great insights. And he hey, was why, don't saying, you, why don't you contact Kisner and see if he'll come on our podcast? Dude, I need to. I need to. But uh, I, I saw this I'll thing pay, of him. I will pay. Are you ready for this? You don't mind making money. You're young. You're trying to, you I'm know. Sure. I'll pay you $500 if you get cash, <laughs> if you get Kisner on the podcast. Yeah, I, I wish it was Words that right easy. here. It might 500 be. bucks. We'll see. I'll, get I'll creative. 
That's true. But anyway, I was I was. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it. No. He does not have to be in person. He just has to be on the podcast. But here's the thing that I was uh, – we were talking about how to take the most strokes off your game. He was talking to uh, Trent, who's got trouble breaking 100 on the podcast, and he and the majority of it is putting for him. Trent needs to come see me. I can fix it fast. No, I know. I was <laughs> I was thinking about DMing them, see if he can get something. Um, but he was talking about – like, he's horrible at putting, right? He'll have, like, a seven-foot putt, and he'll blow it, like, you know, 15-foot <laughs> – by the hole and Kisner was talking about this he's like go get a ball like go get a ball anywhere in the studio go get a ball and so they found a baseball and he told Frankie one of the other guys to stand across the room and he told Trent to go throw it to him across the room he said Frankie put up your hand Trent throw it to the hand and Trent threw it right to the hand and he's like why the hell can't you do that with a piece of metal and a ball that's sitting on the ground and he goes I make more putts thinking that I'm not gonna make them than I do when I actually want to make a putt just get it by the hole. If you can figure out how to two putt everything, you're gonna take so many strokes off your score. It's 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 nuts. That's one of I've <laughs> I've answered that type of question similarly in clinics and such. People are like, well, how do I know how hard to hit my wedges, dude? Like I use a clock system. I was like, no other sport uses a clock system. Okay, you don't find a basketball player going, how much do I need to bend my knees? I need to bend my knees to uh, three o'clock in order to shoot it this far. Like. Why do we do that in golf? Like, here's the assumption that I think we do with golfers. We assume that they're not capable of doing it by feel. Yes, you are. Hand you a ball and throw it. Yeah. Hand you a ball and roll it. I don't even care if you can't throw. Like, you suck at throwing. I've had people do this. Like, You'll you, figure it out. You can, like, if they throw one too short one time, they'll throw the next one a little harder. If they throw it too much to the left, they'll throw the next one to the right. Like, people are capable of doing things. Don't give them a stupid clock system. That's one of the question things I love about the Golf Digest stuff with Tiger. Or the... Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah the yeah. Golf Digest stuff with Tiger. Yeah. That's like... So, like, what clock system... Oh, it's on TaylorMade, too. Like, like how far do you take it back? Tiger's like, I just feel it. Uh, there's a reason why he's better than everybody else. Yeah. That's one of them. Tiger like, is a feeler. I will say that every like, great basket. Like I just, it's just dumb to me. Like a baseball player is not like, all right, you know, I need to X, and we'll figure it out. It just, I don't know. It just, we just assume people are stupid and they can't do stuff. No, totally agree. And here's the, I've really started enjoying putting way more than I used to, and I found out that when I really started to enjoy putting, I got way better at it. And I realized it was this. It's like. You don't try and make a 40-foot putt. Like, you really, if you think about it, you really, like, don't. You pick a line and hit it as close to the correct speed as you can. You pick a line and then you try and develop the speed off your feel that you kind of know, right? Like, or that you can understand from the green complex and everything. The moment that I started letting go of, like, making all of my putts was the moment that I started making more putts. Because when you start, like, picking a line, pick the speed that said line has to have to get in the hole... It's like you'll either get it really freaking close or it'll go in. Like there's it's right. just it's just like one of the two. And the worst case scenario in that in that situation is um the worst case scenario is you've got to tap in, right? And I found you got out something close. And yeah. I think this is something that amateurs can can learn from. I started getting way better at putting when my stroke got way smooth, like super smooth. I think a lot of people will take it back and then forward. Like yeah, they it's back either, and then forward, but yeah, like, or it's long and slow and short and stabby, or right, short right. and stabby and long and languid. And like, so you notice when we were work. out on Sunday, the only I think like the only like two or maybe three putts that I hit like really bad 
was when I had that pop in my swing, like yeah. right towards the ball. In this past round that I played on uh, yesterday, Tuesday, way back, way through, way back, way or not way back, but just you know back through. <laughs> it's like super smooth, and everything came out fine. Well, and you know the fact that you brought that like change in tempo and rhythm and putting up is back to the like. Why do we do some of the stupid stuff we do in golf that we don't do in other sports? Like nobody in baseball is like taking it back really slow and then whipping it through or taking it back really fast and through slow and guide. Like nobody does that. Like you don't shoot a basketball that way. You don't roll. You don't bowl a bowling ball that way. It's not like I'm going to go back really slow and then rip it through there. Do you think that's because every other sport for more for less, like this is not obviously everything, but like, is pretty aggressive your motion like you mentioned baseball uh, like yeah when you throw everything is aggressive for the most part right when you bowl your stroke is aggressive right and that's what i was telling you is i've had trouble when i try and hit something like when i try and hit my stock yardage or even more i try yeah. and be super quick and fast and aggressive and it really doesn't necessarily cater to the ball flight that i want or the distance that i want well i th- i think of it more like i i think i i, I think i agree with you but I would also add in the fact of, like, y'all just throw the ball when you warm up. You're not ripping it at each other when you're warming up. Now, you, might build, you might build up to something a little that is with true. a little more speed. So, like, you certainly have the capacity to do that. Like, you play cornhole is that way. There are other finesse. Uh, there are finesse elements to your sport. Like You're exactly right. If a shortstop has plenty of time to throw it, you don't want him just, like, grabbing it like it's coming at him. Like play hot potato with it. Yeah. yeah, you don't want him to hurry up. Like, hey, just get in there and there's there's a rhythm to it. It's got some speed. It's not it ain't coming slow, but it's funny. You'll see the best <laughs> infielders in the game. They just they look like they're doing it in their sleep, man. If you guys are listening to this, <laughs> yeah. go watch <clears throat> Xander Bogarts. X A N D E R Bogarts. You can kind of phonetically spell that one, and Google his like highlights, his fielding highlights. And you'll see these dudes that come out of, like, the Dominican or these dudes that come out of just, like, places where they play baseball all year round, 24-7, 365. They just look like they're just – it's so effortless in everything that they do. But you notice how it's not aggressive. I did say that, like, it feels like everything is aggressive in baseball as far as throwing. And there are certain elements of it that really are. Totally. But, like, especially the swing, which I feel like is my one of my problems in right, golf. Right, right, right. But, like, you'll watch these guys field, and they just look like they're just – it's catching it on a pillow and just releasing it at, you know, 90 miles an hour to the first baseman. And you're just like, good God, what a <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. It's just rhythmic. But anyway. <laughs> can can y'all tell that he loves baseball? <laughs> oh, man. It's poetic. <laughs> um, so the 80s to 70s, trying to get to the low 70s, I, I kind of want to finish my thought there. Go for it. Um, Sorry, I cut you off. And no, you're on a good. Um, 20 minutes. I would... I hit nothing more than some pitching wedges, a few drivers. Um, And then it would be hitting shots. So draws, fades, feeling the correct movement uh, if you're trying to get under that. Now, if you don't know how to hit those shots and you haven't been taught those shots and you're in like, you're in the high 70s trying to come on down, then you need to learn how to hit those shots. Um, I actually had an epiphany now that you kind of, we're kind of on this. Um, bowling with the kids the other night and i grew up in northern ohio and there's a couple of things you do in the winter uh golf is not one of them um you play basketball maybe 
occasionally you'll go swimming, but you don't really want to get wet and go outside, even after you dry off. So you bowl and you go ice skating or play hockey. And so, <coughs> um, in that, there's a reason why you don't bowl it straight at the pins. And obviously there's a certain angle that that ball comes into that has the highest percentage chance of knocking down all the pins. You can hit a strike going straight on. However, when you go straight on, there's no spin to bias that ball one way or the other. I love that, yeah. And so when you have <coughs> when you have a shot shape, a dominant curve to the golf ball, you can hit the ball a lot closer. And if you start to hit it a little offline, like you push it a little bit when you're trying to draw it, it still has a bias to turn left. There's more room for air. That's correct. And that's the same thing that happens in bowling. Um, so it's a wonderful correlation why... That's true. How many pro bowlers have you seen throw it straight at the pins? They don't. None e of them. Yeah. Even, so here's the crazy part. If you watch them um, bowl like if they've just got a solo pin that didn't go down, even that solo pin doesn't go at it with a straight ball. Right. It's got some curve bias to it, so that way, if it does hang a little right, it's coming back. If it does, you know, so like they do bias it. Well, I have, an, I have another one way or another awesome analogy for that. And in, in going back to baseball, there's a reason that we swing on plane on a plane, right? Because right. If you're thinking about a fastball. A fastball more or less is going to be traveling straight, right? So if you can swing that bat straight. You have more room for error. You can hit it early. You can hit it on time. You can hit it late. And that swing is still going to be on the same path. So it's going to interact with the baseball theoretically infinite amount of times over the course of the entire swing. It has a lot, the a lot more swing, opportunities right? to contact the ball. And so the, where this comes into play is if you have a guy that's throwing a curveball, you're going to have more opportunities to hit that curveball early, on time, or late because your swing is on plane. But if it's different and you're talking you're about uppercutting, launch angle, or if you're tomahawking down, there's only one point on that axis that you can hit the ball. Which is why when a bat, when a pitcher, or I guess the catcher picks a lot of the pitches, but like when a catcher notices those types of patterns in a certain player, they send certain signals to the pitcher saying, hey, we need to throw this here because we're going to, because our chances of him contacting the ball. Money are very very slim that's exactly right which is picking shots that fit the golf course like strategically speaking the sports are very very similar yeah. it's but so many players just want to hit it straight like even my juniors when i teach them to curve the ball they all look at me and go why is it so hard to hit it straight it's like why is it so hard to hit a strike when it goes straight at the pins can you do it yes you can can you hit a dead straight ball at the flag and it end up inside of 10 feet yes you can what is the probability of that happening? Very low. What's the probability of error? Very high. Or the error being very detrimental. You can mit mitigate the error by shaping a shot. Love it, love it, love it. Well, we're going to wrap up this episode of Ash Sherlock here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge. We're going to do one more episode for you guys this week. It's going to be from the Sam Sneed book. It's the last one we're going to put the this game one on I the love. podcast. The last one on the podcast. So, um, as always, go follow Scott on Instagram at Golf. If you want to follow me, you can. It's the underscore Jaybeard. Um, and then also, we're going to do a quick shout out for our podcast next week. If you guys are listening this long, it means you care, it means you love us. So, come on out. To Franklin Bridge Do on not miss August twenty fifth at six thirty. We have a sponsor Strixon giving away a bag. We have Stephanie Malloy from Connecticut 
teacher as well. And we have Scott Spector, who was a pro golfer at one time, correct? He's he's uh, working towards a senior tour right now. Bam, bam. So there you go. So PGA we're going to have professional. a panel of four people up here. We're going to have Stephanie, Scott, our Scott, and then me. Um, up here, and we're gonna be doing a giveaway, golf ball giveaway, lesson giveaway, bag giveaway, and who knows? And we got a lot of on. exciting programming to announce, and the new Franklin Bridge Performance app will show you how to use it. Lots of free content coming, exciting new things. Awesome, Stay awesome. Tuned. Well, from Scott and Jack here on the back porch of Franklin Bridge, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening as always, and thank you for 15,000 plays. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this episode of the Champions Playbook. As always, you can find us anywhere that you guys are. So uh, make sure to check out Scott on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. His Instagram is at Golf. That's two S's and two E's. So make sure to go and check out everything that he's got going on over on his Instagram page. Uh, as well as make sure you follow Franklin Bridge. Uh, Franklin Bridge puts out some great things as well, and we want to make sure that we support them because they support us. So as always, feel free to come by the back porch of the Persimmon Pub at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays to come and listen to us talk golf. So book a late afternoon round of golf, and then afterwards come on inside, get some food, some drinks. Uh, we got some specials going on. We have some $5 flatbread pizzas we had some amazing chicken tacos as well as drink specials going on all night long so make sure to support the persimmon pub as well when you come out we would love to see you guys we do one episode and then a live q a and then another episode so from seven to nine on wednesdays we hope to see you soon and we'll see you on the next one peace